Okay, we're back. We're live talking tax with Tom Yamachika here on ThinkTech at 10 o'clock on a given Thursday. We're so happy to see him because he comes up with ideas we need to know about. Welcome, Tom. Thanks for having me on the show, Jay. Again. You know, one of the, one of the, this is one of the great topics, really, is the time tax. The time tax, which is regressive. The time tax is really a bureaucratic tax where it's an us and them mentality um, where people who are entitled to benefits can't get them because the bureaucrats make it too hard for them to get. And I, I mentioned to you before the show, one, one theory about how the base is, um, was created and is the base for Trump is that they're frustrated with the government who tells them they're entitled to certain benefits and then makes it so hard they can't get the benefits. This country is loaded with that and this state is loaded with that. How much of that do you agree with, Tom? Oh, that's that's absolutely right. Uh, let me first explain what the time tax is. Uh, not only does the government take our money, but it, it wastes our precious time. And it does this by uh, putting into the, va the, the various benefit programs and not, and not only that, but uh, uh, even even tax stuff um, where you have to pay them. Uh, a lot of it is, well, you need to learn about this. Uh, you need to acquaint yourself with this. Uh, you figure it out, kind of a mentality. And it, and it, uh, and and what even even if you do, uh, you go down to the state office or you know whatever office you're going to, uh, and you got to wait, and you got to wait, and you got to wait. Uh, all of this leads to drains on our precious time and resources. Um, let me let me give you a for example. Civil uh, uh, Beats Denby, Denby Fawcett told the story of one unemployment claimant who called the unemployment office twenty two times. On the twenty on on twenty one of those twenty two times, nobody answered. On the twenty second, at least the person got through to somebody, and then. You know, the guy asked this question and the person on the other said, oh, goodness me, uh, let me talk to a supervisor. And then and this person's put on hold for an hour. I don't know if he got the answer that he that he wanted. Um, I, I would have been disgusted long before then. And, 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 and uh, I, I wouldn't have been able to take it. But uh, apparently uh, this guy did. Um, uh, but it's it's shameful. I, I don't think anybody, uh, you know, should be subjected to stuff like this. I mean, when the software companies in their, were in their early phases, they used to submit sub, sub, uh, subject customers to this. Uh, I remember, you know, being on hold for, you know, two or three hours, uh, you know, talking to a, uh, then talking to a person in, I don't know, Sri Lanka or ba uh, Bangladesh or wherever it is, and, and uh, said, okay, I'm going to charge a credit card now, and then uh, please wait for a, a representative who will answer your question. And then that was another three hours. So uh, fortunately, I think the, the, the software companies by and large have started to get away from that model, but it still remains in government. Well, I still mention the software companies. I deal with software a lot. You know, uh, ThinkTech uses something in the order of 70 software programs, and um, we have to make choices. And uh, part part of the uh, elements of choice is, that, is this company going to, you know, re respond when you ask for support? 
And my own feeling is that we, we the public, are responsible uh, to put their feet to the fire. So when they don't provide support, I move on to another company and I tell them. And hopefully there are a lot of people out there doing that. And hopefully the you know, software industry will recognize that if they don't provide prompt support, courteous support, effective support, um, not from you know, far away uh, call centers where nobody knows how to answer you. Um, if, if they don't provide that, they're gonna fall behind in the competition, especially now. Um, but this, this, is, this is an us and them mentality. We are going to put as few resources you know, together to help you as possible. Uh, we are going to treat you as the enemy. Uh, we, we don't give you aloha. We don't give you any care or concern or help. And I think we have that in Hawaii. It's remarkable. Here in Hawaii, where everybody's supposed to be friendly and aloha, we have lost that. I agree with you. I've had similar experiences with the tax office and many other state and county agencies. They are they treat you as an adversary, not a client, not a member of the public. Not yeah, speaking serious. of speaking of the tax office, uh, <clears throat> let me let me share with you an interesting statistic. Uh, the tax office does keep some uh, records on uh, how much of the time uh, it picks up customer service calls. Okay, back in 2015, it was at 50 percent. So uh, you would call in uh, to their automated system. You'd be put on hold, and uh, and and what what it's in back in 2015, there was a 50 percent chance you wouldn't be answered at all, irrespective of how long you were put on hold. Okay, so because they don't they didn't keep apparently uh, statistics of how long people were on hold, or if they did keep them, they didn't share them with the public. Well, that assumes you even have a telephone number. You can That's go true. on a number of state agency websites and, and look in every corner of that website and never find a telephone number. Not, and not only that, but you get a junk email which goes down into nowhere. So um, they don't want to talk to you. And, uh, you know, this is a leadership question. You know, the governor ought to be pounding on this. But, you know, the governors have not been pounding on this. If they were going to have an efficient... Um, you know, automated system, okay, at least a little better. But they, A, they don't have an automated system that's worth anything. And B, um, you can't find a number. And C, if you find a number, you wait for hours. What happened to us? What happened to us? What happened to us, Tom? Uh, we, we stopped caring, I think, at some point. And we need to go back to that. Uh, the, the Department of Tax kind of um, doubled back a little bit uh, in terms of, you know, answering phone calls. Uh, in fiscal 2020, their call answer rate crept up to 82%, uh, which is still not the best, but it's way better than 50. Um, at the same time, though, uh, published guidance that by the department remains scarce, and I've complained about that before uh, in my uh, public writings. So it's still difficult for taxpayers to search for information to resolve uh, the problems that they've got. Now, um, no article on the time tax in Hawaii would be complete without uh, mention of the obscene length of time that Native Hawaiian beneficiaries uh, 
remain on the wait list uh, for an award of Hawaiian homestead land. Mm -hmm. Some have been on the wait list for decades. Some of them have died on the wait list. Lots of them have died on the wait list. Um, it took a 2020 Supreme Court decision uh, to, I think, finally make them wake, wake up because they, they are going to um, uh, face some very serious consequences uh, if they don't clean up their act. Well, so you have it on the business side. I mean, I think each side infects the other. If the government doesn't respond to you, then you find that businesses don't care either. And for that matter, if business don't respond to you, then the government doesn't care. We have, you know, a culture crossing crossing the line, and um, you know, it's it's a matter of money. If I if I have a fifty percent return versus an eighty percent return, I'm saving money. I'm saving a lot of money. I don't have staff. I don't have to pay anybody. I don't have to train anybody. I don't have to put in the infrastructure to respond to you. <clears throat> and no one really knows how much money I've saved. But you know, just to a proportion, I've saved. Oh, 30, 40, maybe 45% that way. If I go down from 80 to 50, actually, I don't know why it can't be 100. If you're in business and you're trying to hustle in the competition, you're at 100. That's where you should be. You're not interested in saving money. You're interested in building brand and having people like you. Um, so it, it, it is remarkable that we have declined in this way. But let me let me say well, they're, they're doing a cost benefit analysis to see if that's what they really want to do. Uh, the problem with government uh, is that there is no competition. If you want to go to, to the state and get benefits out of a state program, you go to this designated state agency and there is no competition with that agency. Well, Period. the other thing is so you go ahead. Yeah, and and um, uh, so so that kind of uh, feeds on the problem. Uh, but then when you kind of think about it, uh, the, uh, the problem is like a regressive tax. The, uh, the issue uh, falls most heavily on the poor, the less educated, the ethnic minorities, uh, the people who would be you know, more likely to call in, the more, people who, who, are, who are more likely to need help uh, with um, you know, these complicated forms, instructions, and so forth that are necessary to you know, qualify for and apply for any uh, you know, benefit program that, that the government has to offer. Um, and you're also right in that uh, people face, you know, once that's, you know, that's overcome, there is a um, uh, an us versus them mentality at the agencies. The agencies want to weed out the fraudsters and the fakes and the liars and those otherwise unworthy. Uh, and, you know, there is, you know, stuff like racial stereotyping, whether they understand it or not, uh, that I think is what happens. And that leads to, to the regressive regressivity. It leads to more discrimination. Uh, it leads to, a, 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 you know, it, it makes the, the social ills worse than, you know, they were before. Uh, only if there is, uh, I think, a very strong focus on what the problem is, the extent of the problem, and how you can fix it, uh, are you going to be able to come up with a government program that is not regressive, that is 
uh, fair uh, that benefits the people who the legislature intended it to benefit? Well, it's a matter of having public confidence in government. You know, if I'm if I'm out of work and I want unemployment insurance, what have you, and the state of Hawaii just got a tranche of money from the federal government to do that, uh, can't they put a, some of that money into responding to me, um, having more people man the phones or hiring a contractor who's um, who will be more successful in responding to me on the phone? Um, I, I find it extraordinary that they don't do that. So what you have is all this money. Um, but it's not being distributed equally or fairly or equitably among among people who really need it. It seems like the greater the need for these social benefits, um, the less the government cares about it because they are not likely to complain. Um, okay, e either he waits for three hours um, or he stops waiting and says, "The hell with this, I'll find another way. Um, I'll, maybe I or, 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 or that person gives up. Um, uh, there's a, a quote attributed to uh, Governor Ron DeSantis of Florida. And uh, so he was speaking of, about his state's unemployment system, which is not, not that different from ours. Okay. And he said, you know, having studied how uh, it was internally constructed, it was, eh, let's put as many kind of pointless roadblocks along the way so people just say oh the hell with it i'm not going to do that it was definitely done in a way to lead to the least number of claims being paid out that's what he said you believe him okay. i believe him i believe him i believe it's not only him too you know you, you just you make it so hard that they give up and of course when they give up something happens and it is uh, imagine imagine uh, somebody who has been led to believe that he or she uh, is entitled to benefits, led to believe the government is here to help, <clears throat> but the government doesn't help. You can't even talk to the government and you don't get your benefits. You give up. How then, this is uh, rhetorical, how then, Tom, do you feel about the government? Do you have confidence in the government? Um, no. And I think, you know, every time a call is not answered, uh, every time a benefit that, that, that somebody has been led to believe he or she is going to get um, disappears and is unavailable and is behind a bureaucratic run the Santos uh, screen. Um, that person or people lose confidence in the government. After a while, you know, you find the the social the social mesh, you know, is deteriorating. People don't like the government. They don't feel it's part of them or there to help them. And this is not good for our democracy. The government has to respond. It's the first order of priority. What's more, I think, is to mention that um, this bureaucracy is just as DeSanto said, intended to screen you out by putting roadblocks in your way. It is a far better thing, don't you agree, um, to make it simple. Like, you know, the, what, what I remember the tax return form in, in Hong Kong in a better day was like one page long. Uh, and it was very simple. It's an easy calculation. Anybody could do it. Um, that's not the case in the United States. Um, so you put these screens out there um, and you don't have to. You can, you can just make it simple, really simple, and then catch them on the other end. If you find yeah, one, that somebody- One thing uh, that, that has been tried uh, in the insurance industry, 
okay, is that there there are government mandated requirements for what, what we call the flesh uh, uh, ease of reading score. Then, and th there is you know such a measure, and th then the government says that if your uh, insurance policy is going to be acceptable, uh, it's got to have a, a flesh reading ease score under a certain amount so people can read it. Why can't they have the same test applied to government forms and instructions? Um, that, that I think would be you know, almost a no-brainer. Uh, it would take some work initially because um, the existing forms would have to be redone so you know, people can read them. Uh, but, but I think this is not beyond the, uh, you know, the powers of our of our agencies. They got smart people in there who've who known the system for a long time, and they can explain how it works. Yeah, it grows. It grows like topsy. I mean, it's just a good example. Would be a commercial lease in the city of Honolulu. Back in the day when you and I started practicing, um, we we saw commercial leases that were. Hmm, five pages, eight pages long. Now they're 50, 60 pages long in tiny little eight-point font. Um, you know, that's not the way it should be. You should be able to understand it, not get, not get ambushed by it. But here's the thing. If you made it simple at the front end, if you made it easy to get the benefit, then people would care about government again. The social compact between citizen and government would be hopefully restored. And if they, if they fraud the government, if they cheat, if they lie, you catch them at the other end. And when you catch them at the other end, you actually prosecute them. And you make it a front page story. And you look for high profile, just the way the Internal Revenue Service sometimes does it. So to get the message out there, look, we're, we're on an honor system, boys. If you violate the honor system, you know, you will pay another price at the far end. Yeah, that's that, the, that that's the reminds way it's me. Let me let me let me tell you of a, of a story that that you know your your comment just uh, brings to mind. Um, when I was in the tax office, I, I, I worked under two directors. The second of whom was Ray Kamikawa, and he, he he's still around. He's practicing law today. Uh, but one of the first things that he did when he uh, took office was he decided to make an example of somebody who wasn't following the rules. So uh, he picked a service station, and I, I don't know if you remember this, but he picked a service station, uh, the uh, proprietor of which hadn't been filing tax returns for a very long time. And he had the cops converge on him. They shook him down. They opened up the register, and they grabbed what was in the register. And that and that made all of the uh, 6 o'clock news and all of the all of the the TV stations, and and there are and there are laws uh, that 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 say the Department of Taxation can get the cops to help him or her, mm -hmm. um, and that's that's what that's what he used. Now that spectacle has never been repeated since. Mm -hmm. Since yeah, and, I thought he I think, was he was a good uh, tax director, Ray. Yeah. yeah, yeah. He 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 made you know he made an impression. Uh, he had a commitment to um, to issuing prompt and timely guidance, um, and uh, you know he he was, I think, focused on helping uh, taxpayers understand what their obligations were. And, and, I, and least, I think more, more, more. Uh, go ahead. 
it leads to compliance. That's what we, you know, this is supposed to be a voluntary compliance model, all of it, national and state. But but it is not because, uh, you know, um, under, um, you know, recent interpretations and, and characterizations and uh, culture points in tax offices, um, they, you know, they make it hard for you. And uh, when you do violate it or ignore it, they don't, they don't do anything about it. And oh, no, they do. They do. Uh, sometimes a, a lot more harshly than, than one would expect. Oh, uh, yeah, touche on that. That's, that's true. Yeah. But, but, you know, they, but just make it hard for you. And then they're not understanding. They're not tolerant. They don't appreciate the issues around a businessman's challenges or a woman's challenges. Uh, or for that matter, somebody who is in distress, like during COVID, unemployed. And so it's, a, it's really an attitudinal thing about treating the citizen as a, an equal, if you will, giving the citizen respect, trying to understand the citizen's problems and concerns, and, and, and repairing the knitted sleeve of the social compact. Uh, you can quote me on that, Tom. Um, so what, what, what we need to do is really change that culture, both nationally and state. Yeah, we the taxpayers are not just pigs clamoring around the feeding trough. Uh, a lot of times the agencies tend to treat us as such. Uh, but they ought to have more respect than that, is, is my opinion. So when you say the time tax, we're not only talking about the bureaucracy and, and essentially, uh, as DeSantis said, putting barriers in the way of um, people who should be entitled to benefits from getting those benefits. We're talking about the time that people spend trying to figure it out, right. um, which is, you know, perhaps most most pernicious barrier of all, because yeah, they try and, and I try think, and, go ahead. Yeah, and, and uh, I think one of the reasons why it is that way uh, is, and, and you had mentioned earlier about a commercial lease. Commercial leases, you know, for a long time, uh, were built upon blocks uh, that you know people wanted or lawyers wanted to be there because they were tested in court. Okay, but the fact that you had to go to court to figure out what this provision meant uh, means it was probably inunderstandable in the first place. So it was only later, you know, in the evolution of. Uh, you know, like real estate and transactional law, uh, did people start finally getting away from that model and, and say, well, look, you know, we, we, maybe we better uh, draft these leases and such in, in a way that people actually understand them. And I think a lot of the programs, the, the forms, instructions, and so forth, uh, kind of were built on the same model. Oh, let's do this to avoid litigation. Let's do uh, this and word it this way because that language was tested in court. Um, and and I and I say to you, uh, if the language is tested in court, uh, I mean that's fine, but it probably means something was wrong with it in the first place. If if you know good, uh, you know people with with um, right-minded people were arguing about uh, the meaning of it, uh, there must be something wrong with the language. Well, I, you know, I remember a thing called the plain language uh, law. It was a law. It was a statute, as I recall. And it required certain documents to be written in plain language. 
That, that's a long time ago, and I haven't heard much about it since. Have you? Uh, no, I haven't. I think it's in place in the federal uh, arena. I, I don't think we have anything like that here, but, but I could be wrong. No, there was here. It was a Hawaii statute. But I, I think it somehow um, you know, went away. But back to your comment about going to court. So this uh, mom and pop organization um, took a lease, um, whether they read it or didn't read it, it was 50 or 60 pages long. Um, and uh, the landlord comes down on them about some provision on page 42 in eight point font. Um, and, um, and, and they don't agree. They don't, they don't think that that's good language. Uh, they don't think it means what the landlord says it means, or more aptly, the landlord's attorney says it means. So how do you get from there to court? Can mom and pop afford a legal test of this language? Can mom and pop afford to hire a lawyer about this language and have him research the cases or her and uh, have him go to court and argue for a judge or, oh my gosh, even possibly a jury about this language? You know, that's, you know what, you know, the, the benchmark is that's $100,000 right there. Mom and pop will never do that. So you can see how inequitable it is to have a long lease with carefully crafted language which is onerous on, on the, the guy who could never, as a matter of marketplace uh, power, could never have the power to argue with it. This is very problematic. And it exists you know, in the, in the area of government just as well, if not more. The government has unlimited resources to fight with you. And uh, you know, the government has leases too. And it has documents and regulations that have the power of law. Um, and what, what, are you, what are you gonna do about it? You're gonna take them to court? You're gonna go to the Supreme Court, mom and pop? Think so? Um, so I think it's an attitudinal thing that is visiting our, our, the fabric of our relationship with government. And somebody should be making this a platform point, don't you think? Oh, absolutely. Um, you know, we, we definitely need agencies uh, to, you know, when they're, executing the laws uh, to educate the public clearly and thoroughly on, on, on what's required. Um, we need responsive agencies, as we talked about before. Uh, we, we, the taxpayers, are not you know, pigs at the trough. Uh, we, we deserve uh, to be respected. Um, even, if we're, even if we're wrong, and there's a good chance we are because the, the law is so complicated, and, and those guys deal with it all the time. Uh, so all of this uh, kind of leads to, you know, there, there needs to be a, a you know, a, a, a fuller awareness of this type of problem, you know, among lawmakers, among the agencies, uh, that there is this time tax, that, that it is causing a burden on the electorate, uh, and that, you know, we got to do something about this. Once that happens, hopefully then maybe they can make the system better. Don't hold your breath. Um, but, you know, one policy point I want to raise with you to see what you think about it in terms of the uh, cost-benefit analysis is um, in business, you know that there's a certain amount of shoplifting. You know that. They're going to get all excited about it. Um, it's manageable, usually. Um, and um, it's not worth chasing people down 
the risks and difficulties and costs of chasing them down, it ain't worth it. Um, so the same thing with government. If I know that people are slipping through my screen, my filter, as it were, and they're taking benefits maybe they shouldn't be entitled to, you know, I could make the business decision, the cultural decision, the Aloha decision and say, okay, all right, I'm not going to get excited. I know that a certain percentage of people are going to cheat. It's okay, because I don't want to punish a million people for the transgressions of a very small number. So on a cost-benefit analysis, I'm going to let it go. What do you think of that? Well, I think that's fine if uh, you you do have an enforcement policy, and if you do catch people, and you and you you know beat the crap out of them when you do catch them, you know on the on the cases that you do choose to prosecute, make them make them a public spectacle, because the public needs to know that you, the agency, have teeth and you're using them. Yeah, you can you can you can let you you can, you can not sweat the small stuff. That's fine, uh, but. Um, you know, come up with one or you know one or two that you you feel significant about, and then uh, you know throw the book at them. Well, you know, it's interesting you mentioned that because it, you said if you choose to pursue them, if you choose to pursue them, there's a choice there. It's not mechanical, you know. And if it's a mom and pop uh, who've worked all their lives, um, you know, uh, who who have been kind to their employees, whatever it may be, you know, a, a situation that begs for equity, um, those people should be, and it's a human decision. It's a decision of a kindly bureaucrat. Um, you, you know, you, you give them the benefit of the doubt, you leave them alone, and you go for the ones that have meaning, you know, um, on the front page. Um, but, you know, a good number of people, you can afford to leave them alone, because you know what? Although you're not terrifying anyone who's a mom and pop um, by leaving them alone, you're sending another kind of message. And the message is, we care about you. We have heart, we have aloha. Um, we, we will um, forgive you, negotiate with you, give you a break. And that has to be in the, in the mixture too, don't you think? Oh, of course. Yeah. Yeah, you can't get away from humanity. No, but we have. We have, we have gotten away from humanity. What we do is we put a, a, a 40 foot concrete uh, wall between us and the taxpayer um, or the person seeking benefits. And that's not humanity, that's something else. Okay, Tom, this has to be big point on the agenda. And we have to see if uh, some somebody running for office will now take up the mantle on trying to fix this. It's a uh, it, problem, uh, which is why I say not anytime soon, is that it's not a high political priority. Don't you agree? It's not likely to be very interesting in a political campaign. Oh, I, I disagree. I mean, if, 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 if somebody says, you know, under, under my watch, uh, I, I can, I can, I will go after, you know, this agency and that agency, you know, like I'll reduce the time it gets, you, you, you need to get a driver's license renewal, uh, you know, from, from two hours to 30 minutes. That I think 
you might resonate with people. You think this could be the subject of a state audit? Uh, it has been. Mm -hmm. It has been um, several times. I mean, the uh, the DHHL was, I think, um, the uh, woes of the unemployment agency uh, were, you know, very thoroughly fleshed out either by the agency itself or by or by an audit. I, I, I forget which, uh, but um, you know, and and they and they were to their credit trying to do all kinds of stuff uh, to help people, uh, but. But they ran into roadblocks like, oh, geez, we're on this mainframe that's, you know, a million years old. And, and if we try to, you know, push it a little too much, it'll fall apart on us. Yeah, and that's, that's one last point we should talk about. You know, when um, Neil Abercrombie was governor and he brought in Sonny Bagualia um, to be his uh, special um, computer guru for the state computers, um, there was this revelation that the state was behind by decades and that its system didn't work. Um, and Sonny Bagwalia spent, um, well, millions finding that out. And then he left. And I don't think we ever really fixed it. I don't think we ever threw the money at it that has to be, that has to be applied in order to make a, a state uh, computer system work better. And, and not only is it not working well, it's not uniform either. I suggest to you, and I like your, your thoughts on this, um, that if we had a better state computer system, if we had a computer system that was dedicated to public service and, you know, and, and keeping data uh, and communications in a way that, that serves the highest, the highest public standard, we'd be better off and we would be more responsive, don't you think? Uh, well, I, uh, there's really no way to argue against that. Um, I, I do think the state has made some incremental steps toward getting there, um, but kind of getting to the end stage of that is uh, uh, is tough because it's going to require a lot of, you know, a, a lot of money. Um, some of which, uh, you know, we as taxpayers, due to our, uh, you know, less than optimal confidence in government, don't really want to pay them. Um, so it is kind of part of a vicious circle, but you know, what we should be doing is we, we should be increasing the transparency. We should be making incremental steps to, uh, get like, uh, uniform account system, a uniform, um, you know, call queue system or whatever you, or whatever you call it, uh, that actually, you know, is fair and can be perceived by the public as such. It's an ongoing thing, though. You know, it's an ongoing battle. It, it's not. It's not a question of fixing it today and then letting it go for twenty years again. It's a matter of always keeping your eye on it, always serving the public. Well, thank you, Tom. Tom Yamachika, president of the Tax Foundation of Hawaii. It's so nice to talk to you. Appreciate you coming down. See you in a couple of weeks for more. Aloha. Aloha.